Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. And I'm also sitting here with, uh, what, uh, blah, 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 what's your name again? It's Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. There it is. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are both here, especially Ziggy, because you are like, the, we're leaning on heavily on you today. Oh, yay. So, <laughs> so our last show, we focused a lot on some um, spiritual attack stuff. That came to us from one of our separated brothers in uh, Jesus, a minister named uh, Jensen Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, got some good feedback on that. Some folks really, uh, really, really dug that. And uh, and and so uh, when we were wrapping that show up, Sam, mm-hmm. afterwards you're like going like, "Dude, I've got the next show." I said, "Do you?" He said, "Yes. In fact, it'll be the best show we've ever done." Just let me take the helm. And so I said, all right. He did say that. He said that. Tom is here to... I'm here to yeah. said one word, plastics. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wasn't the word. It oh, was, yeah, wait a minute. That's from The Graduate. It was I'm actually sorry. a phrase. It was checks mix. No. Um, no. Uh, so you, you were talking about spiritual warfare, spiritual attack, and, and really, because uh, this, as, as this show airs, here we are uh, with a, a wonderful Marian feast. Oh, yes. Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, December 12th. That's right. So Guadalupe, uh, for those of you who can't pronounce it. <laughs> Americano. <And>, yeah, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so, uh, wow. And so you were talking about the, the idea that one of our greatest advocates in spiritual warfare is actually the Blessed Mother. Yes. And, well, so I actually, I had put together, it was funny, we had just done this, this thing about the eight signs that you're in spiritual attack. I said, you know, I, I literally, I put together a list a few years ago uh, about um, the eight reasons why our Blessed Mother is the best ally in spiritual warfare. And there's kind of a funny story behind this. I, I'm friends with a Protestant minister, and he is one of the Protestant you know, from one of those denominations where they do laying on of hands and they do deliverance prayers with folks. Very Pentecostal. Yes. And, yeah, okay. Yes. And, and he was sharing with me. He said, you know, we had an amazing experience recently. We were praying over somebody who was a real rough case. Um, one of the worst cases we had ever seen in terms of needing uh, deliverance. And someone in our group asked God to send down the angel Michael mm-hmm. from the book of Revelation to, to cast out the devils in this person. Was Perfect. he like a Catholic plant? I, I know, exactly. So I'm listening to this, and my, and my friend, the Reverend, who's, by the way, his name's Michael. Uh, <laughs> and I, so I don't think there's a coincidence there. He starts saying, like, so now, anytime we do deliverance prayer, we always ask God to send the angel Michael. Man, he's so powerful in spiritual warfare. And I was like, you have no idea how Catholic you sound. But I also said to him, I said, you know, I agree. Angel Michael is my confirmation saint. He's a great... He's great for spiritual warfare. But I said, if you think he's good, our blessed, <laughs> our blessed mother is even more powerful. And I could tell from his reaction when I said that, he thought, it was one of those looks on his face. You Catholics, you always got to try to find a way to bring Mary in. I mean, the last thing he had in his, you know, in his mind, in his image of Mary was warrior. Right. You know? Um, and so I just, I said to him, you know what? And because this was put on my heart, I have, I can give you eight reasons why she is the our best spirit, a, a, ally in spiritual warfare. 
And he said, okay. And I sat down, and lo and behold. He said, bring it. He did. And I sent him an email with eight reasons. And because uh, I just felt in my heart in that moment that that's the, mo- the the number that I needed. And I gave him biblical foundations and I sent it to him. And uh, he said, you know what? These are sound. You know, he, wow. he recognized that they're very Catholic. Um, but, you know, he, but he, he said, I don't have any basis for disputing what mm-hmm. you've put. I, I yeah, everything's he's, well. He's probably not going to become Catholic anytime soon. Right. <laughs> but I will say this. You never know because those are seeds that are planted. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. <clears throat> so you sent us a copy of the email, which uh, you must have a lot of time in your hands. <laughs> I am still scrolling. I got down. There's eight. Finally, got to eight. And lengthy. number eight is the longest one. <laughs> we, I can tell you now, we don't have time to do a show on this, but we're going to do our best. <laughs> we'll do, we'll do our best uh, because. Uh, and what's Rapid so neat fire. about this is when you see when you when you when you put all this stuff together, uh, honestly, you cannot deny the the uh, the the truths that are revealed when you when you use scripture like in this way. Yeah, and this is not proof texting. Mm-mm. This is like truth bombing. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is a nuclear truth bomb that's going on here. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to let you kind of drive. Okay. So let's just go through these things. Uh, the first one you have is Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. Yes. And, and the point I wanted to raise uh, was, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was a weapon. The Jews took the Ark of the Covenant into battle. So then I had to justify to him, of course, like, how is Mary the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the Ark of the Covenant and the original Ark contained two things, um, the hidden manna and the word of God. You know, Mary, when she conceived, uh, when she consented to the incarnation of Christ, two things came into her womb, right? Uh, the bread that came down from heaven and the word made flesh. Yeah, but there's actually three things in there. There yes. really are. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. The priestly rod of Aaron. Oh, that's true. So Jesus is the high priest. Too. He so also has that, too. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't yeah, yeah. mean to leave that it just, out. I think it bolsters your <laughs> no, argument. No, it does. And you also have the, uh, the Gabriel, St. Gabriel, the archangel, says that you know the spirit of the Lord is going to overshadow her. It's the exact same language that, the, that they use to describe a Shekinah glory cloud. And well, if, the, like the, the tent of meeting that went through the desert, that yes. same exact word when... When this pillar of fire, uh, you know, by night and the cloud over that tent of meeting where it used, it says that word overshadowed. Yes. Uh, and that's God's presence. And it went over the Ark of the Covenant yeah. and it went over her. Yes. Um, and then also, if you look at Revelation, uh, at the end of Revelation 11 and the beginning of Revelation 12, and it's important here to know that when the Bible was written, right, being written, you know, like St. John didn't stop, at, you know, while saying, you know what, I'm going to make this verse 18, and I'm going to make this verse right. 19. All of that was added later, okay? Mm-hmm. He was just taking, he was just writing, okay? And so the break between 11 and 12 is something that was added later. And what does he say at the very end of 11? He says, God's temple in heaven was open. And the Ark of the Covenant could be seen in the temple, where there were flashings of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a violent hailstorm. And then Revelation 12 begins right after. It says, A great sign appeared in the sky. A woman clothed with the sun, the moon with her feet, and on her head uh, a crown of, tw- uh, of, of 12 stars. She gave birth to a son, a male child, 
uh, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. And what we can talk later, we're going to talk a lot about Revelation 12, and we're going to support the fact that that's Mary. But keep in mind that he said, I see the Ark of the Covenant, and what does he describe? This woman right. is what he saw. <laughs> so right. there's a lot of biblical support right there that she's a, she's our mom, yes, but she's a weapon. She's a, yeah. Because the Ark of the Covenant is you a weapon. You ever made your mom mad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some good stuff there. Hmm. So, so that's beautiful. Let's go to number two here. Mary fulfilled the proto-evangelium to crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. So in Genesis, <clears throat> when you have the, 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 the narrative of the fall, and the, there's the... Pro, the you know, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is when he's speaking to the serpent. Between your offspring and hers, he will strike at your head while you will strike at his heel. Mary's the new Eve. She reversed the, uh, Eve's disobedience by freely choosing to accept God's call when she said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. So she, she reversed Eve's disobedience. She is the new Eve. And that is, uh, you know, at that point, that's a, a frontal assault on the work, the, 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 the singular most important work that, you know, so to speak, from the devil's perspective that he had pulled off right. in the history of mankind. So right there, you have that, you know, the Bible saying that there's going to be enmity between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And you see that there's going to be victory through her intercession. That's right. That's the proto-evangelium. It's called that because it's the first gospel. Yes. Yes, the first gospel. Beautiful. Number three, she's the queen of all creation. Back to Revelation 12, it looks like. Back to Revelation 12. So a great sign appeared in the sky. That that section right there. And... uh, we, here's how we know that this is uh, our blessed mother. Uh, if you go down to Revelation twelve six, it says the woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God that there, uh, and that there she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Now you look at Matthew chapter 2, 13 through 14, right after Christ was born. When they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Joseph rose and took the child with his mother by night and departed for Egypt. So um, at that point, you have uh, evidence right there that it's, it's screaming, this is obviously Mary, mm-hmm. right? And Mary has a crown. Now, one of the things that's really important, and St. Louis de Montfort actually makes this distinction, Jesus is king by nature and by conquest. Mary is queen by grace. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, God exalts the humble. So she, it, you know, her, she, how did she welcome Christ into her womb? With humility, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. It is by that humility and obedience that she is exalted. And her humility, St. Louis de Montfort makes this point, humiliates Satan. Right. Her humility humiliates Satan. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, the third reason why her queenship is powerful. Because it's born of humility, which is an attack on the devil. So we've gotten through three of them. Okay, we got we we're gonna we're gonna get them. We're gonna get these all eight in here uh, at the end of the show. We gotta take Somehow. a break though. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. <laughs> uh, before we take a break, I want to remind folks at home we got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. dot com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. dot com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs> like and share our posts and comments on them. It makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mary, Mary wants you to come back and listen to the rest of this yes. too. So let's not disappoint our blessed. <laughs> mother. We'll be right back. 
I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Just about every family that celebrates Christmas will set up a nativity scene somewhere in their home. But most people are unfamiliar with the origins of this beautiful custom. The solemn tradition of the Christmas crash was started by none other than St. Francis of Assisi in the early 13th century. Just a few short years before his death, St. Francis traveled to Greccio, a small Italian town built on a beautiful mountainside, so that he might celebrate Christmas there. But because the local church was not near large enough to hold all those who desired to attend Midnight Mass, he sought permission from the Pope to hold Mass in a niche in a mountain wall in the town square. But this Midnight Mass would prove to be quite unique. St. Francis set up the altar in preparation for the solemn occasion. St. Bonaventure, in his work, The Life of St. Francis of Assisi, written just after the death of St. Francis, takes up the story from here. He says, Then he prepared a manger and brought hay and an ox and an ass to the place appointed. The brethren were summoned. The people ran together. The forest resounded with their voices. And that venerable night was made glorious by many and brilliant lights and sonorous psalms of praise. The man of God, St. Francis, stood before the manger, full of devotion and piety, bathed in tears and radiant with joy. The Holy Gospel was chanted by Francis, the Levite of Christ. Then he preached to the people around the nativity of the poor king, and being unable to utter his name for the tenderness of his love, he called him the Babe of Bethlehem. That would be special enough if the story ended there, but it doesn't. St. Bonaventure then goes on to tell us that a miracle occurred on that cold and clear Christmas morning on the mountainside. After St. Francis prayed before the tiny wooden manger, a beautiful baby appeared for all to see, sleeping in the manger. It was the Christ child. The entire town and all those pilgrims who had come to celebrate Midnight Mass with St. Francis were genuinely moved by this miraculous event. Not only that, but, lest anyone in the town should doubt, there were many stories of the miraculous healings that came from touching the hay on which Jesus slept. And so, to this very day, the tradition of the Christmas creche, the nativity scene, is held with great reverence in the homes of Christians throughout the world. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And I am Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian and the man of the hour, Sam Ziggy Rodriguez, <laughs> who's bringing the Blessed Mother heat Ooh. our way. Yeah. That's a heat I'm always happy to bring. Amen. That's, right. Amen. Good and heat. so we got the the Blessed Mother is working overtime here, um, you know, saving those sinners. It's beautiful what, what's going on here. We're, we're going through the eight uh, different reasons why Mary is such a powerful ally in spiritual warfare. Yes. Um, and just again to remind folks who are just joining us, this was a uh, like sort of an email exchange or uh, a truth bomb, as I said earlier, <laughs> that you uh, that you dropped on your Protestant friend, which I think is beautiful. And you you know you you are nice about this. Now you did yeah. you didn't 
hold back. You, you dumped all you, all the ammunition went into the hopper, and you lit the whole thing, you know, and exploded. But but you did it in a loving way, and yeah. I think I, that's important to know. It wasn't like beating somebody up, but. Uh, we we've we're, there's eight of them here, and we've gone through three of them. Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. Number one, number two is Mary fulfilled the Proto Evangelium. Number two, number three is Mary's the Queen of all creation from Revelation twelve. And so now we've we we we're also talking about the Queen Mother here. This is number four. Yes. So on one hand, you know, I think now that we can look at a little bit closer at her queenship, she's the Queen Mother of the House of David. And there's something that's special that comes uniquely with the Queen Mother of the House of David. Like, from the, the time of Solomon until the ba- Babylonian exile, the Queen Mother had a special role where you would petition the king through the, the Queen Mother because it was understood that if the Queen Mother is going to take a petition to the king, she's going to have her best, the, uh, her son's best interest at heart. So you see this represented in, in uh, First Kings... Uh, uh, chapter 2, 19 through 20. And then Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king stood up to meet her and, pay her and paid her homage. Then he sat down upon his throne, and a throne was provided for the king's mother, who sat at his right. At her, and there is one small favor I would ask of you, she said. Do not refuse me. Ask it, my mother, the king said to her, for I will not refuse you. Mm-hmm. So there, there means that there's a powerful role that she has in her relate special unique relationship with Jesus as queen of the house. Of yeah, Jesus. so she intercedes on our behalf and 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 she's not going to be denied. No, queen it's, mother's not going to be denied. Yeah. It's mama. So <laughs> when we're under spiritual attack, we talk to Mary, Mary's going to get it done. She's going to I mean, she's not going to do it herself. Right. She's going to go to the one, her right. son, who can take care of business. Absolutely. Right. We 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 all recognize that it's not under her power and her authority that spiritual warfare is put down. Right. It's through her intercession. And that's our, what's so powerful about Our separated about this. brothers and sisters talk, talk often about wanting that the, the eternal Davidic kingdom to reign. Well, the Davidic kingdom includes a position of power for mm-hmm. the Queen Mother. So mm-hmm. speaking of intercession, you're number five here. Mary's intercession brought about Christ's first miracle. Yeah, we get to see that that relationship play out in the, the wedding at Cana. Um, you know, if you take that language that we just shared in the previous section and then compare it to the, that moment when the, the, when the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. Now, let's break that down for a second. He, at first, wasn't going to do it. He wasn't inclined to do it. But he does end up doing it. And he changed it because the queen mother of the house of David was the one who came to him with it. And it's also important that she promoted obedience to the king as a means of bringing about. And do whatever he says. Do whatever he tells you is what she says to the, to the, to the servants there. Which is a message also for us. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, anyone who worries, any of our separate, separated brothers and sisters who listen to this and be like, gee, no, Mary. I Don't mean, worship her because, you know, and we're not. We're not, yeah. And she doesn't want us to. No. <laughs> she yeah. wants us to do whatever he tells us. Right. He, yeah. She's there to enforce that order right. in our lives. And so then you, you, you turn to number six. Now, this is going to be hard for some of our separated brothers and sisters to swallow. But you know what? My, my Protestant friend. Put it, put it out there, man. He, he didn't dispute it. After reading this, Mary is the mother of all Christians. Now, how can we say that with confidence? Well, we already established earlier that Revelation 12 has to be Mary. 
Mm-hmm. Well, look down at Revelation twelve seventeen. It says that uh, the dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, mm. those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. Now, I'm sorry. Doesn't that sound like a Christian? If you're going to come up with a good definition of a Christian, someone who follows God's commandments mm-hmm. and bears witness to Jesus, that's going to at least be an integral part of the definition, <laughs> right? So, I think that's a fair assessment. I think that's a, I think that's a fair on, read man. on this. Yeah. And so those who bear witness to Jesus, those who follow God's commandments, are whose offspring? Mary's offspring. That means that she is the mother of all Christians. And you don't mess with mama. <laughs> no, of course. And, and uh, now, again, the beautiful thing there is for our separated brothers and sisters to realize that they do have a powerful ally in heaven, and that's Mary, and she is their mother as well, and uh, and that and that she can be called upon. So that's beautiful. And you can even look at some of the Psalms, like Psalm one sixteen and Psalm eighty six. You you know, turn toward me and have pity on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. That's in Psalm 86, later in 116. Oh, Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, you have delivered me. So there that's telling you that the by, we are each her son, and, she, and God wants to free the sons of, her, of, of, of uh, his handmaid, mm-hmm. and that is Mary. Number seven, Our Lady of the Trinity, favored daughter of the Father, mother of the Son, spouse of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, beloved, you know, in terms of favorite daughter of the Father, she's the vessel that God chose Mm -hmm. to give birth to Jesus. Prefigured. She was Jesus' mama, right? And then some people might choke on this one in terms of saying, uh, you know, that she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit hasn't been begetting children in any other wombs except Mary. (laughs) Yeah. And if you take a look at Mark 10, 9... Nothing can separate what God hath joined. So if the Holy Spirit has descended upon Mary and joined with her and formed a fruitful union with her that gave birth to a child, then that tells you that Holy Spirit's not going to say, okay, my, my work is done here. I'm leaving. That's the exact opposite of the character of God. Our God celebrates covenant relationships. So spouse of the Holy Spirit is completely legitimate. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, you know, the, the, the Trinity is, is essentially proclaimed by the church as the greatest mystery. Yes. Right? Uh, uh, of, of God's revelation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so she's Our Lady of the Trinity. And so that connection yes. with her and the Trinity is, is, is a, again, powerful ally. Absolutely. I mean, she's got, we, she's got friends in high places. She does. She does. <laughs> and now we go to our final one, number eight, and that is the Immaculate Conception. We just celebrated the Feast of the Immaculate Conception earlier this week. Um, so a lot of people think that the Immaculate Conception refers to Jesus being conceived. No, that's the Annunciation. The Immaculate Conception, it'll be tough for some of our Protestant brothers to swallow this, but that refers to when Mary was conceived. It is the singular... In Anne's womb, right? That, yes. That at that 
point, that was the Immaculate Conception. Yes. yes. It was, and it was the singular grace. It refers to the singular grace reserved to Mary that she might be conceived without original sin. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's strong evidence for this, okay? You can look at the Old Testament. They don't use filthy vessels, right, to put godly things in. But it goes deeper than that. If you look at Kekeratomeni, uh, the greeting that the angel Gabriel gave her, he greets her basically as saying, you who were are and always will be fully graced. Mm -hmm. He greets her as that before Jesus enters her womb. Mm-hmm. So she's already fully graced, and at just that so time. people understand that if uh, if you're reading the King James version, the 1611, that's the one that Jesus carried with him, right? That's the <laughs> version of that that Jesus carried around, and it says having been graced, yes, right, past tense, meaning you got it already, right, already before Jesus came into her womb. And then if you look at Revelation twelve thirteen through sixteen, there's further evidence of this. Why? When the dragon saw that it had been thrown down to earth, it pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Then the next three verses describe different ways in which the devil pursued the woman, woman in fertility, futility. Then the devil gave up on the woman. The devil became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. So the devil can't get to Mary. Why? Because of the Immaculate Conception. She's full of grace. She's full of grace. She's been spared original sin, and that's what makes her such a powerful ally. Bam! And spiritual warfare. That is so beautiful. Now, uh, I I hope that your friend heard those words. I hope the seeds were planted. And I hope all of us who have been listening realize that when we're in a situation where we're under spiritual attack, our Blessed Mother is like a – it's a go-to. She is like – she's a resource (laughs) that we all need to realize. So get out the rosaries. Uh, Father Blunt used to call those nuclear weapons. Yeah. 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 Does. Get out of those rosaries and fight. Right. <laughs> well, the Lord does all the hard, heavy lifting, right? We just we just get the rosary out. So, hope beautiful Sam. Thank you so much for for this little email here and these eight reasons uh, that we can all fall in love with the Blessed Mother all over again. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, let's ask her to intercede on our behalf. So, let's pray these powerful prayers of intercession to Mary, the Blessed Mother, pleading for her protection. The protection a mother naturally carries for her children. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. And this beautiful, ancient, yet powerful prayer to Mary from extremely early in the church's history, the Subtuum Presidium. We fly to thy patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions in our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And finally, the powerful prayer heard daily round the world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe 
serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. 